Hi, I'm Valerie, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetic industry. This is episode 296. I'm your host, Valerie George, and with me today is Perry Romanowski. Hi, Perry. Hello, Valerie. So good to see you. I'm glad to be back. Great to see you in my flyover of Chicago and here today. Uh, But on today's show, we're going to answer questions about can home bleaching your hair affect the follicles and hair production long term? Why is BHT in cosmetics and is it safe? What is the difference between a fragrance and a perfuming ingredient? What products are really necessary for hair? Can the dye in purple shampoo work for your teeth? And what (laughs) What? should the next... (laughs) I know, I had to laugh. What should the next generation of estheticians and hairdressers know or understand? But first, that inane chit-chat. How's the kitty stuff going? Well, I've got a visiting kitty this for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, my sister-in-law, they did their spring break, and uh, so we got to take care of their cat. Oh, very cool. I thought you were saying it was like a new porch kitty in residence or something. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's like... Is it this, is this thing about cats where like boy cats like women and women cat or girl cats like men? Because this is a boy cat and he doesn't seem to like me that much. Oh, but he likes Shannon. <laughs> he loves my wife. So, so and of course, and of course, uh, you know she's allergic to cats. So oh yeah, she she's allergic, of course. But you know, you know, of course, I'm the one who feeds him and cleans up his litter box and stuff. But you know, it's uh, that's that's what I do. <laughs> You're gonna have to work for his affection. I will. You know, I did see that the, you know, the porch kitty crew, I think mm-hmm. they got, I think they got booted out of their house. There's a new crew that came in. Really? There's, this, there's a new gray kitty and there's this menacing big black kitty. I don't know. I, 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 and Tuxedo <laughs> is gone? I haven't seen Tuxedo or Lou. They're, the the whole, whole clan is gone. I, it's... It feels like an episode of The Walking Dead, quite frankly. It's Cat <laughs> it's Wars. Like, That's what it I is. Know, it is. Well, they're all still eating my food, so it's all yeah. good. Yeah. Well, I missed seeing you uh, yesterday. I was traveling home from Ohio. I had a, a board meeting at Kent State University, and wow. I had a layover in Chicago. But due to mechanical problems, the plane was late, and then the plane couldn't take off because of more mechanical problems, and then I was stuck in Chicago for the night. And I thought, you know what? I had to call Perry and have him help me out, but, uh, you know, all the, my flight was early in the morning and, um, yeah, it was a a big disaster. So I I got home late, but, uh, missed opportunity to see you. Well, let's head over to some beauty science news. I don't think we actually have any news today, but we have a couple alerts. That's right. Well, I mean, these are kind of news, right? But, uh, yeah, the... You know how we have kind of tracked the, I don't know, this would be the new way to make money in um, the beauty industry is to sue people. <laughs> yeah, lawsuits, baby. There have been all these kind of, kind of weak lawsuits. We've talked about them in, in before, but this latest one is a lawsuit against Clorox. They're facing a class action lawsuit uh, against uh, their Burt's Bees brands for using the forever chemicals in their products. Uh, basically, what's happening here is uh, Burt's Bees, they've been advertising their products as natural, but they haven't been disclosing that these things contain PFASs 
or what uh, was in the news a few weeks ago, the Forever Chemicals. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we, we've got uh, a group of uh, consumers suing them because the Burt's Bees All a Flutter Mascara theoretically contains some of these PFASs. So frivolous. So frivolous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh, so the complaint claims that they had independent testing done and they found PFASs, uh, the polyfluoral alkyl substances uh, in Burt's Bees. And they said, well, you know, you're saying you're formulated uh, without chemicals of concern that's in your advertising. And so now we're going to sue you because we're concerned about these things. It's a uh, it's a pretty amazing new lawsuit. I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but you know, then again, this is the problem with the marketing uh, of natural brands. Uh, certainly, a brand like Burt's Bees—they imply that their product is, you know, completely from nature, and yet, you know, they're using a, a lot of standard chemicals that aren't really found in nature. They're maybe they're nature derived, but they're not actually in nature. For sure. Uh, but I do have to say, if anyone is involved on the good side in any of these frivolous lawsuits, please call Perry and I. We would be happy to represent your case in court. Yeah, you know, if you need a little, little expert witnessing or something, yeah, we'd, be, yeah. we'd be happy For to sure. speak up. Yeah. They call me, they call me, they call me. Cow, which is the parent brand for Jergens, uh, recall some of their Jergens Ultra Healing Moisturizers, three ounce and ten ounce versions. Some of these units can contain P. gergovie, which is a bacteria that is highly invasive to manufacturing facilities. It really, really uh, loves water. But Cow is doing the right thing and urging consumers to discontinue use of this re, uh, recalled lotion and uh, contact them for it. You know, it surprises me a little bit. Um, now, unless they change their formula recently, this one contains uh, essentially DMDM hydantoin and methylparaben as their preservative. So it's a that's a pretty robust preservative system. So if they're having problems, it's most likely maybe, uh, you know, production facilities or something like that. Yeah, it, it could be. It's just, it's highly invasive. I've been at facilities that uh, also have had this organism present, and it's it's a very common house bug, it's called. Yeah. Every manufacturing facility has microorganisms that are just prevalent in the environment, and you kind of can't get rid of them. And uh, P. gregovia is a really common one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, if you had the cow, uh, did they give the uh, numbers on it, the... Jergens Ultra Healing Moisturizer. In three ounce and 10 ounce. Yeah, and uh, they, they didn't say the dates that it was made. So, uh, you know, if you have those, y- you know, you might contact Cow and say, <laughs> should I should I get a, another sample or something? Yeah, yeah. And then we had one more set of recalls, this time from our friends in Health Canada, uh, which is the Canadian version of the FDA, but uh, oh. Bioderma Micellar Water, Brute Dio, and Equate Oral Rinse uh, need to be recalled as well. Um, since January 22, anything that was produced, uh, the first two, Bioderma Sensibio H2O Micellar Water, um, had microbial contaminations for contamination? Mar- oh Mar- Marquesans. Yep. The second one, Unilever Brute Classic Aerosol Spray Deodorant, actually may have had some benzene content, which we're seeing is happening 
uh, pretty often mm-hmm. in products that have propellant in them. So it seems like the benzene is a propellant issue. And then equate dry mouth oral rinse also had microbial contamination, this time for Klebsiella pneumonia, uh, which can cause a range of infections in humans, but there haven't been any reports yet of injuries or incidents. This is all very proactive. Wow. Uh, So uh, what's going on here? Are people not using proper preservatives then? Could be it. Yeah. Yeah. I I was trying to look at the preservatives system for that one. I I don't see the ingredients, uh, obviously, but uh, yeah, you know, use proper preservation people please yeah it's the, the real importance of it and you can see with each one we're saying oh it can cause disease it can cause injury and really you know it's just not worth it just uh, really embrace your embrace your preservatives yeah exactly and the traditional preservatives that have been used they're not unsafe uh, especially at the levels used even though you know they have bad reputations on the internet the internet is not toxicology nope All right, let's head over to beauty science questions. All right, our first question comes to us from uh, a patron. Uh, Melisanda says, uh, can home bleaching your hair affect the follicles and hair production long term? I love when my hair is bleach blonde and pink and have been bleaching it on my own for years to avoid salon costs. Now, in my younger days, usually when my roots have gotten very long, I would just mix up the bleach and then dump it on my head, not being particularly careful about keeping it away from the scalp. But lately, I've been noticing that my hair is very thin, like my scalp is quite visible to me. I don't expect to have thick, uh, fine hair. I had it at 25, but this does seem a little extreme. Is this correlation or causation? Are there really long-term effects of getting bleach on your scalp every six to eight months or so for years does that kill off follicles now i have stopped bleaching it and started administering regular diy oil soaks uh do you have any other suggestions i think you've already said that the supplements are a load of hooey thanks for all you do i love the show and try to get all my makeup minded friends to listen but i don't think they are as keen to hear that their fave products getting debunked as much as i am sorry it's not audio Malasandi, and thank you for being a patron. You know, if you want to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe, and you get your questions prioritized over all others. So, Valerie, you're our hair care color expert. What do you think of bleaching your hair where you just dump the bleach on your head? Well, uh, bleach or hair lightening certainly can be traumatic to the scalp, uh, especially if you're using 30-volume hydrogen peroxide or 40-volume or really long-term 20 volume. There aren't a whole lot of studies on it, but there are studies citing that trauma to the scalp can cause some issues uh, with the hair or maybe even hair loss, definitely uh, hair breakage. There was one study that I found that showed uh, rat skin uh, was tested with hydrogen peroxide and lightener ingredients, and it showed that there was epidermal thinning and subepidermal vesicle formation issues and the extracellular matrix of the skin was seriously disrupted after bleaching. So important to make sure like all directions on hair bleach, say avoid contact with skin. Additionally, um, you can burn or irritate your skin. Now, does this mean your hair doesn't grow back or it falls out permanently or damages your hair follicles? I'm not sure. 
I do know that I have my brother and a friend that have done long-term bleaching on their hair. I'm talking making their hair white and then uh, putting more hair colorants on it to to color it. And uh, they had, I would say, premature thinning of hair. Now it could be genetic, could be some other things. Right. But it's hard. It's hard to know. Like if he never did anything, it still might have had thinning. So it's tough to say. Yeah, hard to know. But you are putting something that's really reactive on your skin. Sure, so I would sure. be inclined to say, eh, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't put it on your skin, especially if you have like some scarring or something like that on the scalp that you can't really see. You know, maybe causing some some bald patches. But as far as what you can do at this point in the game, uh, one, stop putting bleach on your skin. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. two, you know, it it might not hurt to try something like minoxidil to see if that can help um, improve the thickness of your hair. Additionally, you know, there are a lot of hair growth products. I'll put those in air quotes or hair thinning products. If you look at the very fine print, they say they reduce hair loss due to breakage. If you've been lightening your hair, uh, your hair is probably very fragile, very damaged. That's one of the worst ramifications of putting bleach or lightener on your hair is that the hair gets very fragile. So you may be able to improve your hair loss due to breakage. So you could try that as well to see if that helps. And of course, oiling helps as well. But as far as killing off your follicles, it's it's probably not good for your follicles, but it's not going to kill them as far as I could find. I didn't find mm-hmm. anything said, but it, you know, if you're, if you're putting it on, as you described now, if you soak your head in bleach for an extended amount of time that, yeah, that could start to get down to the lower levels of the follicles and start killing cells. But it's unlikely in what you've described here that that's going to uh, kill off follicles, but it's certainly not good for your hair. So I wouldn't recommend doing it. Definitely not. What about our next question, Perry? This one comes to us from Michelle. She says, hey, Beauty Brains, can you talk about the science behind the ingredient BHT? Uh, There's some scary stuff on the webpage if you Google it. Uh, Don't Google your uh, cosmetic ingredients. (laughs) A pediatrician and dermatologist both recommend this product for my infant daughter and myself, which contains BHT. So what is the purpose of BHT in cosmetics, and is it safe? The company's website says it's an antioxidant. Uh, But the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics website says these chemicals are linked to several health concerns, including endocrine disruption and organ system toxicity and irritation and reproductive development and cancer. So thanks. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that. uh, Well, if you go to the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics site, yeah, everything they post there is... uh, the scariest things you can find about any chemicals. and That way you're compelled to give money right. to make products I mean, safer. That is that is absolutely kind of their mission is to scare people and drum up donations. And then presumably they are going to try to get laws passed to further restrict the, the regula- regulations of cosmetic ingredients. But the thing is... Cosmetic ingredients are already safety tested. This ingredient has been safety tested. And while levels of really high levels might show some of what they call endocrine disruption, uh, although endocrine disruption is, that's just kind of a boogeyman word too, where it's just trying to scare you. I mean, you know, 
soybeans are endocrine disruptors, right? They can interact mm-hmm. with that. So that doesn't really mean a lot. It has to do with like how much is an endocrine disruptor. You know, lots of things are endocrine disruptors that are perfectly uh, fine to use. But let's talk about this BHT. Uh, Valerie, is this an ingredient you've ever worked with? Yeah, not directly, but it's often a sub-ingredient found in other ingredients that you may use. And BHT stands for butylated hydroxytoluene, BHT. And it's just that. It is an antioxidant that is used in products to help uh, products from oxidizing or ingredients from oxidizing before they get to use in you. It's not an antioxidant, maybe like vitamin E. Or- sure. It's really... Uh, an efficacious functional antioxidant used to protect ingredients, typically uh, oil-based products. Yeah, some antioxidants are used for the antioxidant effect that they can produce in your skin. Uh, that's your active ingredients, your vitamin Cs, etc. But some ingredients we use in formulating to to make products more stable and make the preservative last longer. And so this uh, BHT would be an example of that, BHA. We would use BHT, like if, if, if I was making a formula, maybe it was a blue color or a, a, you know, a red mm-hmm. color or something, and in stability testing, if the color started to change or fade, we would add an antioxidant like BHT because the thought is there's some oxidation reaction that's breaking down the color. You put this antioxidant in your formula, and that prevents the you know, degradation of your formula. And so that's why uh, these ingredients are used. Antioxidant is is it. Yeah. So the SCCS, which is the Scientific Committee on Consumer Safety in the EU and the CIR, the Cosmetic Ingredient Review Board in the United States, have published opinions on the safety of BHT in cosmetic products. And first and foremost, they're safe. Uh, It's safe to use uh, in products. They looked at BHT for concerns related to endocrine disrupting properties, which is one thing that um, was asked in this question. And the SCCS and the CIR have found that BHT is safe as an ingredient used up to a maximum concentration of 0.001% in mouthwash, 0.1% in toothpaste, and up to 0.8% uh, the SCCS found in use in other leave-on and rinse-off products that aren't um, going in the mouth. Wow, 0.8%. That's And it's not even used like that. Yeah, I've used it. I've never used it that high. I've never used it at 0.1%. So It's, it's usually used some... at 0.05%. It's used exactly, very, yeah. very minimally. It's super effective. So to have this maximum concentration at 0.8 and it not have any endocrine disrupting capabilities is is pretty incredible. And so I would say BHT is safe to use. I know a lot of these retailer lists are saying that BHT is not allowed unless it's below 0.1%, which is where it's used at anyway. Uh, But I think that level is a little ridiculous, uh, especially given that the safety data supports use up to 0.8% in non-mouthwash, non-toothpaste products. Yeah, so bottom line, uh, Michelle, it is a safe ingredient. It's put in formulas for a reason. It's not like just willy-nilly, just dump it it's in there. It's not to be an endocrine disruptor. <laughs> right. That's a, we don't have enough endocrine disrupting in this formula. Can we just dump the No. There's, it's, a, it's stability. It makes your product uh, last longer uh, and more appealing to work with. Exactly. 
Well, our next question comes to us from Stephanie. Stephanie says, hello, thanks for all you do. Your pod is such an amazing source of info. I was wondering what is the difference between a fake fragrance and a perfuming ingredient? For example, Glow Recipe Papaya Sorbet Enzyme Cleansing Balm, uh, that's a mouthful, asserts itself <laughs> as being fragrance-free, but then lists a perfuming ingredient. <laughs> Seems yeah. like a trick. Uh, thanks see, for yeah. all you do. Best, Stephanie. Uh, well, Perry. Very interesting. Uh, and Stephanie actually included a link to, I think, Inky Decoder, which is a website that uh, looks at it just lists the claims and ingredients of a lot of different uh, products. And it, indeed, this this one claims to be fragrance-free, uh, but then when they're listing out the ingredients, the Inky Decoder people say this is a perfuming ingredient. So what's going on here? Uh, specifically, when a company puts fragrance in their formula, they'll buy a fragrance, which is a blend of a bunch of different chemicals, from a, from a fragrance house, and when they put that in there, they can just say, oh, there's a fragrance in there. Now, all the chemicals that make up the fragrance, they can be essential oils, uh, various organic uh, odorous molecules, very, various natural molecules, solvents. Lots of things can go into a fragrance. But rather than having to list all the individual ingredients in a fragrance, which could be up to like 100 different ingredients, uh, the industry just allows you to say, Oh, this is a fragrance. Now, some companies know that consumers are concerned with fragrances, and so they have found some benefit to saying fragrance-free. But they also know that most consumers don't like the way that a formula would smell if it didn't have a fragrance in it. <laughs> and usually it smells like, I don't know, melted crayons or something like that. But so companies, they don't want to have a fragrance in there, or at least the word fragrance in their label, but they do want it to smell uh, nice. So they add ingredients that are not called fragrances, but are the same kind of ingredients that you would find in a fragrance. And so instead of just putting a fragrance in there, they put in what would be called a perfuming ingredient to cover the odor. Now, I don't know if that's what they're doing here because yeah. on Inky Decoder, they list the potential offending ingredient as levulinic acid. Uh, that's what they list as the per perfuming ingredient. And that actually okay. is a preservative. Uh, okay. I've never used it as a perfuming ingredient. Maybe perfumers use it. Uh, sure, but in sure. this case, I think it's being used as a natural preservative. And that can also be the problem with these websites like Inky Decoder is that they don't necessarily know all the subtle nuances of formulations. And right. sometimes in this case, they could could get it wrong. I When I was first looking at the ingredient list, I was like, wait a second. It must be all these fruit extracts that have an intrinsic odor to them. Sure. Making the product fragrant because a lot of brands do that. And then they'll say, oh, it's fragrance free. And then I'm like, how does it smell like blueberry then? Right. right. Uh, it's these extracts, which could be the case here. I don't know if this product has a an odor or not. Uh, but in this case, Inky Decoder, I think, has it wrong with livulinic acid uh, being a perfuming agent in the sense of contributing olfactively to the product. Right. Well, that's probably not why it's in there, but I think that is an ingredient that does have some odor to it. And so, mm -hmm. you know, in some cases, maybe that ingredient is added for perfuming purposes. In other cases, is added as a preservative. Um, and so in this formula, it, it looks more like it's the preservative piece, but 
you know, the, Who knows? A, a website. Yeah, a website like Inky Decoder, they, you know, they get their information from suppliers who are gonna tell you everything an ingredient could possibly be used for. So <laughs> only if you've actually put formulas together would you know why you're using a specific chemical. Um, and in this case, I, I think it's they're just mistakenly said it's a perfuming ingredient. Well, you know, I'm going to have to do, Perry, go to Sephora and give this product a sniff. <laughs> you, you will have to do that and report back. I'll report back. Valerie, we've got an audio question. Hey, Beauty Brains. Let me just start by saying I love your show. And I know it's hard to answer all the questions you get. So if you're answering mine, thank you. I am just so overwhelmed with all the hair care products there are out there. With the scrubs and clarifying shampoos, some hairstylists say don't do that. And then some say it's necessary. I wanted to hear what you think and how often or how much one should be doing that. I have fine hair in particular, and I never really get answers about what to do. So any help is appreciated. Thank you so much. Well, Perry, you just use one product, and I think your hair looks fine. <laughs> yes, well, if you want hair to look like mine, actually, to be fair, I use two products. I use shampoo and conditioner, typically. Oh, I was thinking you use a two-in-one. Oh, you know, usually, I, I, I am a big fan of the conditioner. Um, it's kind of an extra step, but... You know, you can put it on my hair, and then I can, like, shave in the shower, and then when I'm done shaving, I can rinse it out. So not that so you're you really a two-product guy. I, I am, yeah, two-product pretty much. Not that you need to leave the conditioner on any length of time like that, but it doesn't hurt, so I do that. Wow. Well, you know, it's a tough question because with hair, I feel like you can do as much as you want or as little as you want. And yeah your hair could still kind of look okay with a minimalist routine or a maximalist uh, routine. It really goes either way. I think that's one of the first thing, the most important thing to take to take away is that how much you treat it, whether you use a lot of products or very few products, it all is what you want your hair to look like. There's no like healthiness to hair and such. I know things are marketed that way but unless you're doing chemical damage to your hair or you're really you know heat damaging your hair you basically get away with a lot of products or no products at all yeah i would recommend obviously a shampoo and a conditioner because your scalp does need to be cleaned hair does need to be cleaned especially if you produce oil and i think conditioner is really helpful because as our hair naturally weathers it gets a little frizzy or razzled on the ends and you need to lubricate it with conditioning agents, oils, that kind of stuff. So those are the two I'd say you have to have in your routine. If you have fine hair, like you say you do, I would recommend to use a shampoo and conditioner marketed to people with fine hair or people looking for volume in their hair because they tend to have less depositing things in them and your hair won't be as weighed down, uh, which should help from the volume perspective. But anything else you do, serums, styling products, blow drying aids, thermal protectants, hairsprays, that's really what you want your end look to look like. And so if you are a person who just air dries your hair and goes and you want it to be a little smooth, I would recommend adding a serum to your routine. If you're a person who says, no, I have to blow dry my hair and and use a flat iron on my hair or a curling iron in my hair, then I would really recommend a blow dry aid 
and a thermal protectant. It may be something to set it. So it really just depends, as Perry said, what's the end look that you're going for. And the more sleek and sophisticated or voluminous and, and lasting all day, you need products for that at the end of the day. So you would need to add on beyond your shampoo and conditioner. But if you wanted to do a reset, Jane, I would just start there, shampoo and conditioner, and then say, what do I want my hair to do? And add one product at a time to help with that. Yeah. And as far as like the clarifying goes, do you need a special clarifying shampoo? I don't, I mean, I think, I know things are marketed that way. I don't think you really need a special clarifying shampoo, but the thing is, if you're if you're unhappy with how your hair is, yeah, try a clarifying shampoo. Maybe it'll make you feel better. Um, it's 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 like a very personal thing here. I don't think there's any magical uh, sulfate-free shampoo that's going to pull off all the silicones or sulfate one that'll pull off the silicones and make your hair look miraculously different. It, it, it doesn't really work that way. I think whenever you shampoo, you put on a conditioner, your hair is going to pretty much end up the way it would be if you're using a conditioner. I always say, if you're going to use a conditioner, that the shampoo you used before it doesn't really matter that much. It kind of just wipes out the mm-hmm. whole thing. And, uh, you know, any shampoo is going to clean your hair. Uh, then the conditioner will put it in the condition, which is good for styling. Yeah, I always say spend your money on conditioner. <laughs> exactly. All right, we got well, time we for a couple Another more, question. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, another, sure. Oh, gosh, I really had to laugh at this one. Oh, yeah. This one comes to us from Felix. He says, hello, Perry and Valerie. I absolutely have to hear your thoughts on the Instagram made me buy it product. This claims to be a color corrector for yellowing on teeth. Uh, It's used after your normal brushing mouthwash routine. Brush on for two minutes and then rinse. The color is exactly like purple shampoos I've used in the past, so I guess theoretically it makes sense. So my question is, is there anything in this ingredient list that would let the dyes adhere to the teeth and resist rubbing off, or is it really just a nice immediate effect that would disappear in 10 minutes? I tried the product and it works all right, but we all know how bad your eyes are at judging these kinds of things. I'm very excited to hear your thoughts. Thank you both for hosting my favorite podcast. Well, thank you, Felix. Uh, this is okay. a product called what? His Smile Teeth? High Smile? Oh, High Smile. See, I I said His Mile Teeth, right? <laughs> his Mile, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, High Smile has a variety of products for teeth. And this one's pretty cool, but I had to laugh because, you know, I'm sure someone was inspired by purple shampoo, but hey, why can't sure. we do it for your teeth? There's a couple similarities in that they both use purple and apply basic color theory to neutralize any yellow. So purple and yellow are complementary colors on a color wheel and they're new- they'll neutralize each other out. So the yellow will go away because of the purple over it. You talked about that in a previous podcast episode, probably, I, did. I don't know, 100 episodes ago. If we were really professionals, I would have had that at the ready, but <laughs> you have to yeah, just go well, that's back okay. and look yeah. at the archives. The difference is uh, the High Smile product uses D&C dyes, so uh, dyes that are meant for food, drugs, and cosmetics, red number 33 and blue number one. Red and blue together make purple, whereas in purple shampoos, they typically use external violet too. Or- yeah also known as acid violet 43 if you're in Europe. And that's one purple colorant versus mixing red and blue together. Now you can get purple shampoos that use red and blue 
together that does exist, but usually that's that's not the way it's done. And the important part about that violet one is that it's external DNC violet. So that when you see that word external, that means you can't swallow it. <laughs> Basically, whereas yeah. the um, dyes used in the high smile are okay for mouth. But again, same principle, they create the color purple and the purple neutralizes the yellow on your teeth. But Felix is saying, how does it how does it stick to your teeth? And I think the answer is in the xylitol that's in the formula. Xylitol, I remember hearing about this when xylitol-based gum came out, and I'm like, what's xylitol doing in gum? And xylitol It's a sugar, right? It's a sugar, but it's basically also a film former, and it forms a a thin film over teeth, and it prevents bacteria from sticking to teeth, which drastically reduces plaque buildup. And so that's why they always say, oh, throw gum with xylitol in your mouth after a meal. But here in the toothpaste, uh, the xylitol... Is helpful because it's going to form a film over the teeth and then the dye is going to stick to the film and then your teeth are going to look more neutralized less yellow but then of course this film's temporary it's just going to come off again so yeah i think that's how it's working yeah so whether it lasts 10 minutes or less you know a couple hours i, I it's hard to say but uh, hard to it, say it, it is a temporary effect because it's not going to permanently stick but looks pretty cool the toothpaste looks pretty neat yeah, and the website has like uh, people with this purple liquid coming out of their mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's like pretty awful, but yeah. uh, I nice mean, I touch. guess it works, High right? Smile or his yeah. smile. I don't. <laughs> I smile. <laughs> his smile. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, we, got we time have time for, for one more. One more. Yep. Our last question comes to us from Naomi. Naomi's a patron on Patreon. She's and a long-time she says, patron, so yeah. One oh, of wow. Our, one of Thanks, our longest, Naomi. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I'm a hairdresser that has gone back to school to become a cosmetology instructor. A big part of what inspired me to become an instructor is my frustration over how much of our education is really just marketing. I've already been teaching my students some of the things I've learned from the beauty brains, like sulfate, silicones, and parabens aren't evil, and that sweet and low won't protect their clients' scalps. Is there anything you guys want the next generation of estheticians and hairdressers to know or understand? Thank you so much, Naomi. Well, thank you, Naomi. And I'm glad that you, uh, we've had a good influence on on people that you're teaching. Yeah. And that you're able, yeah, you're able to pass that on. That's, that's really incredible. Yeah, this is a, this is a tough spot. Uh, I think you've kind of already got the main teaching that we have. And the main teaching is that just be skeptical of the information that you're being provided. If something sounds incredible, like it sounds like incredibly dangerous or it just sounds fantastic. Incredibly or amazing. Yeah. Right. It, it's probably not true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> somebody has spun the story to make it seem uh, a lot more amazing than it is. I mean, there's some great stuff in cosmetics and some interesting technology. But the technology hasn't really changed a lot over the years. It's just really hard to make new things. And so whenever you hear of new amazing results, they're probably not really that new or amazing. I agree with you, Perry. Be skeptical skeptical about everything. And I would have rephrased it as question everything. Um, <laughs> really, you know, someone has an agenda in telling you something except for us. Uh, but, you know, when, when it comes to selling products or getting funds to help make products safer, someone has an agenda in what they're telling you, right? And so I always say, where is this information coming from and why are they telling it to me? 
And in the case of a product, it's probably marketing and they want you to buy the product or they don't want you to buy these other products. So yeah. I, I would just say, question the information, who's asking it and why are they telling it to you? And if it's going to change your mind about buying a product, you know, that's that's where you need to apply critical thinking. And if you can't, contact the beauty brains. The other thing that I might suggest to people is that as an esthetician or a hairdresser, you're going to develop uh, these notions just over time with your own interaction with people. Uh, you might see somebody who said, who has terrible hair and they say, oh, I use Pantene all the time. And then you get this idea in your head, oh, Pantene's terrible because you saw a couple of people in a row. You shouldn't always have a lot of faith in your own experience. Uh, you might have just been exposed to just a set of people that are not reflective of everybody. And so I would just always be not only skeptical of the information you're told, but even your own experience. And don't develop any beliefs or any assertions that you're never willing to change. Because sometimes, even through our own experience, we get sort of a warped sense of what reality is. And just because you've had these experiences doesn't mean it's generally applicable to everybody and all your clients. And to add on to that, Perry, one of the toughest things I had to learn in running a, a very large laboratory with its own salon and product evaluation department is that a product is not necessarily a bad product unless it's bad for all hair types or all skin types, right? Yeah. Uh, generally with a product, it might not be right for your hair or for your skin, but it's great for someone's hair or someone's skin. We all have such different hair and skin types. So when you try a product and it's, you know kind of horrific in your eyes, just remember it's horrific for your skin or your hair in your experience. It might be nice for someone else and, and surely other people could say, man, this is my favorite product. Yeah, I mean, I could use VO5 like, you know, three times a day and be perfectly fine. <laughs> That's not going to be true <laughs> But for I might hate else. it for my hair. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so that's Wait, been the biggest thing. Wait, have you tried the is... strawberries and cream one? It smells so good. <laughs> it does, yeah. No, it's just, you know, it's a little humbling to say, uh, you know, this product stinks, but instead say this product stinks for my hair. It didn't work for right. me. Right, yeah, so. exactly. So not all information is generally applicable. Yeah. Well, I think that's all the time we have for Perry. Hear the music? Oh, yeah, there is the sound, yeah. <laughs> yep, thanks for listening, everyone. Hey, everyone, the Beauty Brains are on Patreon, and we thank all our patrons. If, you, uh, if you'd like to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe. If you get a chance, head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show and leave us a review. That's going to help other people find the show and ensure we have a full docket of beauty questions to answer. And if you have a question that you want to hear your voice on the show, just record your question on a smartphone and email that to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on our various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at thebeautybrains2018. On Twitter, we're at thebeautybrains. We have a Facebook page and one day a TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. Time's a tick in there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, thanks again for listening, everyone. And remember, be brainy about your beauty. Thanks, everyone. Kittens.